Good morning. Welcome to Southbrook. Have a seat. We're going to get right in. We've got a special morning. Seven times a year, Israel would, would interrupt their regularly scheduled programming to, to just party. And they had seven celebrations a year. And uh, today is going to be one for us. As last weekend, if you have not been here, we kicked off our Players Box project. And I'll explain what that is here in a minute. But uh, we today are, are going to have a shorter service which I, I, I know, you know, whenever it comes to anything that has to do with church and preachers, I've never heard someone say, that was too short a service. That was too short. Well, today's going to be short. So for all of you hyper-spiritual people who felt short change this morning, because it's only about a half an hour service, I'm sorry. Uh, you, know, ca- you know, check in some other church too today, just to get your time in and you're clocked in and everything. Uh, but, but we just want to celebrate what God has done. We had a great start to Players Box and for those of you who haven't been around, the renovation of this facility that becomes an attractional facility for families and students of all ages, six days a week. So we're going to explain that a little bit. Um, we have these shirts that if you want one, let us know. We're out of them right now. We've get them all away. But we had a contest that uh, would be the person who wore the shirt from the farthest point away. So we got Utah, Utah, Utah didn't win. Dayton, Dayton didn't win. (laughs) That was awesome though. Uh, Florida, Florida didn't win. London didn't win. Yeah, Nevada didn't win. We didn't really put these in the right order for dramatic effect, did we? Um, uh, Dominican Republic did not win. 4,100 miles away in Spain did not win because beating it by 300 miles, Hawaii won. Let's give it up for Hawaii. The Players Box shirt in Hawaii. I love this because uh, the, the first week we, we started giving the shirts out, somebody told me, said, oh, I was at, we were at Clifton Mill the other night. The, the, you know, it was before the lights and all that show up, but it was Clifton falls or whatever. And uh, they said, we saw somebody with the player's box shirts on. And that spurred the idea, well, let's have a contest, see who can wear them from farthest away. And so Hawaii is winning. Now today is first gifts weekend. So last weekend we began the process of making commitments. November is actually commitments month, but the next three years will be commitments months because as we learned with Reverie, do you know We started last weekend, 220 of you as families and people made commitments. When we finished Reverie, we had 800 commitments. Yeah, so we, you know, in one sense, it's a different church now than it was then. But in the other sense, it was truly a three, four, five-year program, and that's what this is. And uh, this weekend is to then bring our first gifts so that we can really get the, the ball rolling on getting some things started. I think the first thing that's going to go up is the mezzanine in the airlock and the doors and, and then in here and then outside once we do that. But if you today, take a look at this slide. Today on PushPay, there is a designation for your regular offering and then the gifts you're giving for Players Box. Your first gifts gift. And then around the room are players' box boxes and also uh, regular offering of our tithes to God. And then out in the information counter is the same thing. So if today you came prepared to give your first fruit, first gift offering, you you can designate those. 
in that way. Um, these things are hard. These are hard. I, I, uh, there, I saw this week, look at this, uh, Izzy Pop uh, is a great picture of Jennifer Aniston. Road running is very hard on the body. Uh, she's been working out running lately. J- Jennifer Aniston has, and uh, it's just hard to go through road running. Uh, that's what building programs do to people right there. It's the same thing. The same effect that's had on poor Jennifer Aniston is the same effect. Building programs are hard. They are challenging. At an era when our church is over 30 years old, we could just say, hey, let's put the coasting brakes on. We're not. We're saying this world has needs that only the church through Jesus can meet. And we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to probably have a few more gray hairs. We're going to probably have a few more dollars in our stock accounts and our bank accounts by the end of this. But we will have said, we laid it all out there. Now, Jesus, you do your work through us. Um, this week, I got a, look at this picture. You, you won't be able to read it. I'm going to read it. I got a post from Kim Kosla. Kim is a pediatrician. And she's also one of our Players Box coaches. We're very specific about having pediatricians and, and psychologists and guidance counselors that are really integral to the Players Box ministry of helping kids perform under pressure. And this week, Cincinnati Children sent this out. We are currently experiencing a surge in mental health patients across both emergency departments with a large number of patients waiting for assessment remission. Please limit or restrict any non-emergent referrals that the care is so overwhelming right now for the challenge that we got to limit admission. And, you know, one of the things we've gotten from some people who have, in America, we have this medical model idea of help. Only people with PhDs can really help people, and it is so erroneous. There's a time for PhDs, but... What mostly students and people need are friends who don't care about their outcomes as much as they care about the student and the family. And that's what we're creating is a safe place for a world that, that, that there aren't enough medical professionals to help everyone who has need. They're not. And we don't pretend that Players Box is going to meet every need. I tell people this, that, that Player's Box is very similar to recovery. It only helps those who want it. It doesn't help. It, if kids think, I don't need help, okay, good. Good for you. You're the very much the minority. If parents say, hey, we already know all this stuff. We don't need it. Good. Go, you go, girl. You go, guy. But if you want it, we're creating a safe place for you to learn how to deal with the inordinate pressures of this world. And we're very excited about the hard work that will make Jennifer Aniston look like Iggy Pop when all this is said and done, if she's involved in this. But the hard work of, of doing this ministry. Um, today, we're actually starting a new series that's going to be our Christmas series called Know Jesus, N-O Jesus. And we're going to ask the question, what would, what would world be like today if Jesus had never been born? What would be the difference in our world? And we're going to spend the next now through Christmas on what would there not be in the world? 
And I wish I had a full complement of time to deal with this because it's so much a passion of mine, especially in this COVID era. But today I want to give you a reminder that if there were no Jesus, the most obvious domino that would fall from that, there, Jesus had never come into the world, where there would be no church of Jesus. And it's a real interesting thing because the thing, I've told you this, the thing I've been most stunned by that I did not see coming with COVID was was mature Christians who've just given up on church. I, I, just, I just didn't see that coming. I, I just, I've been stunned. I've been judgmental about it, and I had to work through that. But one of the things I want to say today, as we just have the holiness of gathering here today and the holiness of, of partying together in the name of Jesus, you know, just hanging out together, is the power of being part of a church. Duke University just released a study a few weeks ago from a professor, Jonathan Moreno Medina at Duke University, the consistent correlation between church attendance and crime in data of 1,361 U.S. counties over a period of 36 years. Look at this. The study revealed that when it rains on Sunday morning, fewer people go to church. When fewer people go to church, more people buy drugs, commit forgery, and embezzle money. So when it rains, church attendance goes down 17%. Man, we are wusses in this country, aren't we? Gee whiz. <laughs> Honey, what's raining? What do you want to do today? Go to church or commit forgery? What do you want to do? What do you, I mean, I mean, I just, which wizard do you want to do? And his research found that an hour of Sunday morning rain reduces church to 17%, laying historical records of precipitation on Sundays between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. next to year-over crime reports, was able to show that more rainy Sundays resulted in more drug-related and white-collar crimes. So being here today is going to keep you out of jail. Let's just get, come on, let's give it an amen right there. Yeah, you guys, some of you are going to jail. And some of you go, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this is the truth. Um, Christianity Today has a cover article this month. You've got to read it. And the title of the cover article was Empty Pews Are an American Public Health Crisis. Now, this is really interesting stuff. The compelling connection between church attendance and long-term health. And the converse connection between not attending church, being a part of a spiritual community, and a shorter, more disease-riddled life. It's, it's compelling. It is a compelling. In 2019, Gallup reported that only 36% of Americans viewed organized religion a, with a great deal of confidence, down 68% from 1975. Now, that's really good news for us because we're not organized religion. We are disorganized non-religion. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Yeah. And the decline in confidence in churches has been accompanied by a steep recent decline in church attendance. But when Americans describe the reason they seldom or never attend church, scandals don't get top building, church scandals. People who think of themselves as Christians are more likely to say that they practice their faith in isolated ways. And that there's something they don't, or, or that there's something they don't like about the service, consumerism. The most common experience of Christians who don't go to church seems to be less a deliberate choice and more a substitution of habits. And I, I just want to tell you this, uh, is, is, is an isolated Christian is like getting an order of one French fry. It, 
It's an oxymoron. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, ornate stone that's not part of a wall. That stones are meant to be what? Ornate stones are meant to be a part of a structure. That's why Peter said, all of you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. And obviously, the, the, the elephant in the room is I have a personal interest in this. But I do, and those of you who know me know this, believe that the local church is the hope of the world. You take the local church out of the world, and man, do you have problems. Your parachurch organizations go down because the heart of Christ and training in leadership come through the local church that, inf- that affects parachurch organizations, et cetera, et cetera. As much as Bog is independent, Bog was born out of Jason and Jason's initial connection to Southbrook. I mean, we could go on and on with this. And so, yes, guilty as charged if you hear me saying there's no more important entity in this country than the local church. None. Whether we're doing a project or not, no more entity more important. And this becomes very pronounced when you look at what Jesus said about this. Look at these words from Matthew 16, 18. Famous words. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. The Message Bible, Eugene Peterson translated that, I will build my church and its energy will trample the gates of hell. And as you can see there, look, look on the insert of that quote. It, the word for church is ecclesia, which I just think this is so fascinating. I will build my ecclesia. Now, if we did a, a word association with church and I said, what do you think of when you think of church? It would be one of two things. It would be red brick, white pillars, uh, altar, pulpit, choir loft, stained glass, right? We're going to go to the church. Actually, that's not accurate. This is a church building. A building is not a church. The other association of that would be, what do you get, think of when you think of church would be frozen chosen, a bunch of boring people doing boring things for a boringly long time. And Jesus intentionally uses a word there, ecclesia, that's fascinating, Rome was led by the cult of the Caesars. The Caesars were declared to be the sons of God. And they had a saying, the Caesars had a saying, there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Caesar. They had a saying, we will build our our ecclesias and the world will not prevail against it. And their ecclesias, where once a city was conquered, it would either, it would have to declare itself as an ecclesia of Caesar. It would have to say, we are a city devoted to the cause of Caesar, to the movement of Caesar. Because ecclesia meant a collected assembly or movement with a purpose. We would call it a task force today. That's what ecclesia means. A task force with a particular mission. And Jesus comes along when, when he looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And hell's not going to stop it. Hell's not going to stop this. The energy that it will commit to and promote and project will destroy the power of death. 
And they had a saying in the early church, Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven by which, which we must be saved than, not Caesar, Jesus. To be a part of the ecclesia of Jesus was to put your life at risk because you were subordinate, insubordinate to the Rome cause of the Caesars. You were a rebel to be a part of the ecclesia of Jesus. You were undermining the cause of the great empire. And these people believed that no one else is going to die for you. No one else has died for you. No one else is resurrected for you. No one's going to give you the gift of eternal life than that of Jesus. That's what set him apart. And this movement eventually, almost 400 years later, toppled Rome. Toppled the Roman Empire. They had a regular pattern that they lived by. In Acts 1.8, the apostles... Uh, report that Jesus, the last thing he told them, but you will receive power, dunamis, dynamic power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That doesn't sound like the frozen chosen, does it? And you will be my witnesses. That's the word martus, from which we get what word? What do you think what word comes from that? Martyrs. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that is actually the whole outline of the 28 chapters of Acts, right there, Acts 1-8. That's what the whole book is about. It starts in Jerusalem, it goes to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're Acts 29. We're the ends of the earth. We're beyond those geographical realms. And they devoted themselves. Look at what they did. They, this assembly dedicated to the cause, not of Caesar, but of Jesus, the resurrected one, they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is really important because the combination of COVID and uh, a theologically erroneous idea has led to now in America, you who are regular attenders are the minority in America for the first time in American history. Do you know that? For the first time, you're the minority. And your reason for that is not because there aren't a majority of people who call themselves Christians. It's because what has been defined as church has been redefined outside of Acts. And, and essentially, you get it right there in Acts 2.42, that what constitutes the assembly is four things, according to Acts 2.42. Learning about Christ through teaching, living with Christ through community, lifting up Christ through worship and leaning into Christ through prayer. So for example, what you'll hear today is people say, yeah, we really had church this morning in our small group. Well, did you worship? Did you, did, did, did you, did you teach the apostles' teaching? Oh, no, you had, you had, a, cap, you had a cappuccino, okay? I mean, that, that's, not, that's not church. That's good. You had community. That's good. We teach that here. There's just power in just gathering with people before a football game and tailgating. And, and oh, that's great. That's one of the byproducts of the church. They live the shared life. That's not church. Church is when you're learning and you're lifting and you're living and you're leaning together. In Christ. So if you, you gather and you don't worship, that's not church. That's right, Sheila. That's right. She's my cheerleader. She has, she's always responsible for me going five minutes longer than I should because it's just like, it's like, it's like it's just, you know, you're feeding the dog meat, okay? 
so today, here, here's, here's something that's so critical about today. We have 220 of you said, I'm in. If we didn't have a player's box ministry, it would be worth doing this project because we're creating a place where kids will drive by here, see that playground and go, mom and dad, let's go there. Because we believe that what's found here, and not just here, is the name that is above all names. That is the name that is the only name by which you must be saved. Buddha did not die for you. Hare Krishna did not resurrect for you. Muhammad did not give his life for you. I'm taking the alive guy, the guy that I'm following. I'm taking that. They're all dead, by the way. I'm taking the alive guy. And why? Not to be divisive, but to say what's found here is not little tips on how to handle pressure, kids. What's found here is there is a name that is above all names. And it is the name of Jesus. And may we be a place where above all the things that happen here, volleyballs are going to get dug here and math is going to get solved here and dances are going to be choreographed here. But what's going to get found here is the name that is above all names. The movement, the ecclesia of Jesus. Let's sing this real real quick right now. Let's sing this. May we be that kind of place. Just a minute, and then we're going to go out and uh, potty, hotty, motty. We, uh, we can so easily in the church, and this is why it's dying in America. It's not because the gospel doesn't work. It's because the church sometimes loses its mission, loses focus, and starts becoming about the people who are already in. The church is the only organization in the world that exists for the benefit of non-members. And there's an old story about a church. This literally happened in Kentucky one time a number of years ago that found oil on its property. And they did three resolutions. Number one, that they would drill for more oil. Number two, that they would divide the profits up among the members. And number three, there would be no more new members (laughs) in the church. Isn't it easy for it to be about you? to become about you, and this project is about those who aren't here yet, as well as those who are here, but those who will find that name here, and uh, through City Lights and through Reverie and some of the things we've done. And so right now, as of Friday, we had uh, about a little over 200 families that had made a commitment. Again, this is so different from five years ago. Why? Because it's a different world we're living in. But we, uh, we wanted you to sh- see where we are today. And now we want this number to be different when we do this again sometime out in the future. But this is the start we have. Now, another good thing about this is the reason that this is also critical is we're creating, with, like with Reverie, an economic engine that when I'm done in about 10 years, God willing, uh, this church will be completely out of debt. It will, it will be so ready for the next generation to take over and do it better than we did. Isn't that cool? A- absolutely. Do a better job than we did. And, um, you know, when we moved here in 2008, we had about $12 million in debt. Today we have less than $4 million in debt, which is incredible for a growing church. It's incredible. Uh, Pre-COVID, a growing church. And, and so this number represents a tremendous deal. 
when we started Reverie, we got a bridge loan that we were going to use, and then we would pay that off. Well, as many of you know, we did $7.5 million debt-free. We paid for that thing in cash, except for we used $65 of the, of the bridge loan. We, got, we paid $0.37 cents in interest on that bridge loan. And, and what we're wanting to do with this is we're not going to put that same pressure on us because this is an economic engine, but... The closer we get to that $4 million, the more we are getting closer to being a place that you haven't seen what the next generation can do. So you ready? This is where we're started, all right? The first, the first thing we want you to see is show me the money. Blake Puckett, there you go, right there. All right, we're starting there. And where we are, here we go, $2,194,800. And 99 cents there on the end, right? That's where we are. All right, get a picture of that. Max Dupree once said, leadership, the first task of leadership is the definition of reality. Know where you're starting. That's where we're starting right there. And we're gonna work to get that number up because we believe that that no matter what happens around here with Players Box, Jesus is found here, amen? Jesus is found here. We're gonna make him found six days a week. God bless you guys. Those of you who haven't made commitments yet, you can leave your card in one of the boxes today. Uh, for those of you who said, you know what? We're gonna double our commitment because you do it, girl. You go ahead and do that. But, but we now have begun a, a, a project that will make us all look less like Jennifer Aniston and more like Iggy Pop when it's done, but we would have said, hey, we, we laid it all out there, didn't we? We laid it all out there. Um, those of you who want to take communion can hang out in here for a while because the communion symbols are in the room. If you just want to anchor yourselves around that before you go out and party. The rest of you, thanks for being here today. Enjoy the party. God bless.